You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls. Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hobson. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 146 of Sticks in the Six, brought to you by the fine folks at the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings and the NDL House. And boys, back to a threesome this week. Uh, good to have you back, Alex. Happy to see you, see that beautiful face, that lovely stash. We love it here on the uh, on the pod. But uh, before we get into all the fun and uh, not-so-fun hockey talk this week, uh, let's check in with the boys. Peter, how are you doing this week, buddy? Doing good, man. Uh, it's actually been a pretty rough week. Um, you know, first, like around my place, dishwasher goes and then actual washer for cleaning clothes is gone. So uh, got to be very careful about what happens around the house because we can't do dishes, can't do laundry. And that's pretty much it. Uh, waiting for, you know, parts to come in. But, you know, parts are taking a long time to come in. So just the waiting game right now, catching up with the top prospects game right now. As you can see, I'm in a bit of a different area of doing a little bit of scouting as we podcast right now. So pretty good. Living, breathing hockey in your skivvies with no clean clothes. I love it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Alex, buddy, how you doing? Good, man. I'm uh, I'm happy to be back and complete the the trifecta of, of the three phases of facial hair here. We got the beard, we got the clean shaven, and there was a mustache missing. So team smooth. I, yeah, I went team smooth for today. We're like we're like the snap crackle and pop of facial hair. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, things are good. I know it's been a long ass time since I've been on an episode. Uh, if I sit here and talk about exactly why shit was so insane for the past couple months uh we'll probably spend the entire hour talking about talking about it so uh i think i'm just going to leave it at it was it was insane it was just fucked my life was fucked for a couple months but uh, it's a little less fucked now i'm in a new place as you can see i've uh, got a new setup it's a light, little nice. light, little cleaner than my last one um and uh yeah we're uh, we're hanging out i finally got my desk set up i set that up last week after letting it sit there in the box for like a, a month after moving in here <clears throat> it was uh yeah, it's been it's been pretty uh, pretty wild couple of months, but uh, here we are. So back to be uh, glad to be back. I think we all mentioned it. You know, sometimes the podcast doesn't wait for life. So um, yeah. we've all we've all had our little run-ins over the last couple of weeks. I was just telling Peter, going on week six of having this cough and sore throat, and not sure what's going on. Told it's bronchitis. Not sure if it's bronchitis. So um, still trying to figure that shit out, but. Uh, did make it down for uh, down to Buffalo for um, the Chicago Buffalo game. Was hoping at the time to see Bedard when I bought the tickets. Oh, Obviously yeah. that happened, but uh, that was my my dad's Christmas gift. So we did that this week, me, my brother, and my dad. So that was a nice little getaway. Watch some live hockey. Um, great seats. Great uh, great people down there. And uh, man, there's a brewery right up the road from uh, from the arena, and that was just the. Uh, couple of nice icing on the cake right there out. oh he's <laughs> drinking the heavy stuff but um anyways we got a lot to talk about this week uh, a lot of, a lot of leaf talk um buyers sellers we're getting close to that deadline we're seeing scouts in different uh different press boxes around the league but uh before we get into that a few notes from around the league uh patrick law is back boys and right now he's got a 100 win percentage the uh, New York Islanders, not your typical team that you think uh, a Patrick Watt type coach would come in and, and, and be there for, but Lou Lamorello's got his guy. Um, Patrick Watt, he's 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 a vocal coach. Uh, we've seen in the past. What are your thoughts on him coming back to the NHL, Alex? Man, it's just uh, it's not something I ever thought we'd see happen again. Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, when I when I think about him, I think about just erratic coaching behavior. I think of who was it he was shaking the glass against. It was, it was I think it was whoever was coaching Anaheim at the time. I want to say I can't remember who it was. Is it Bob but, Hartley. It may have, not. I don't know if it was Bob Hartley because I remember seeing the video of Bob Hartley and John Tortorella going at it in the uh, in the dressing room. I think <laughs> yeah. that was a separate incident though. Um, yeah, that was the Calgary Vancouver one ten years ago. Yeah, he was shaking the glass against somebody though. I'm gonna have to fact check that once I'm done uh, my piece here. But yeah, it's uh, it's funny to see him back, and uh, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Maybe if he can save the Islanders, I don't know if I'm really convinced that that's gonna play out that way. But uh, we'll see if he can make something out of that Lou Lamorello roster with uh, 
Pierre Engvall making 3.5. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Um, your thoughts on it, uh, Peter? Um, total Lou Lamorello move. I mean, out of nowhere, not expected. I mean, the Isles were in a, in, a, in a funk of their own considering they beat the Maple Leafs in overtime. Um, really was interesting to see how it would play out because Lou Lamorello going the route of Patrick Waugh, you know, I would have thought that, you know, the connection with the Devils, how it was always Berdur versus Patrick Waugh during that late 90s, early 1000s, that duel right there. But you know what? He seems like a total Lou Lamorello guy, and it was a Lou Lamorello move. So um, I was about to get tongue-tied there for a second. Good thing I got past that. But, yeah, um, bit of a shock, but a surprise. But you know what? It makes sense. He's the kind of guy that the Isles can probably feed off of. Yeah, absolutely. And it was Bruce Boudreaux. I was going to say, just yeah, a fact, I don't know how I forgot that. Bruce, Bruce Boozer, of course it was. Who else would it have been? Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and you know, to make matters even funnier, he did that after his debut. He won. He coached in his debut, and he won, and that's how he celebrated. So, And shortly that. shortly after, stepped away from the Colorado Avalanche, mm-hmm. if we if we remember correctly. But um, All-Star weekend is coming up. It's, it's almost upon us. First weekend of uh, February, and, of course, the captains have been named. Not sure how you guys feel about the jerseys. You can talk about that quickly if you want. But uh, Team Matthews, you got Austin Matthews, Justin Bieber, co-captain. Uh, Team McDavid, you've got Connor McDavid with Will Arnett, obviously a big Leaf fan. Um, Team McKinnon, uh, drawn the ire of uh, some of the single guys out there with uh, Nathan McKinnon and Tate McRae. And then, of course, uh, Team Hughes with Jack and Quinn, co-captaining with Michael Buble. So um, any thoughts on those, uh, those captains? Any thoughts on the uh, jerseys? Got a feel for Will Arnett. You know, he wanted to cap <laughs> but uh, didn't play, didn't play out that way, unfortunately. I think if you were going to give anybody but Matthew, anybody a captain, like a co-captain, but Justin Bieber to Austin Matthews, I think you were probably fooling yourself. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty out of the loop when it comes to pop culture and, like, out of the loop when it comes to basically anything that young people talk about. So I'm probably not the guy to go to for a take like this. But uh, that's, uh, yeah, I guess it'll be fun. We'll see what happens. I, I just hope that Will Arnett would grab like one of those like plastic horse heads and just try to imitate like or because he is the voice of Bojack Horseman just talk like him throughout the whole entire time. Um, yeah, I mean, captains, the co-captains is kind of fun. You know, uh, we already saw Michael Buble trying to get on the ice with his Vancouver Giants jersey, maybe sneak in a, as a pick there. Um, but the jerseys itself. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm really very questionable the blue and white are nice but the red and yellow are just kind of mad the design itself it looks very cartoony i mean i'm a big cartoon fan and i don't not i do not like those at all it just seems very i don't know i know it's probably directed more towards the kids because you know it's beaver's company and everything like that but uh i don't know just not a fan of them it it just kind of seems like everything was kind of like rushed together but that's just my two cents Everyone's saying they look more like a like a bag of Doritos. I I see more like a, a box <laughs> of Kraft Dinner. Like it just reminds me of a box of Kraft Dinner. I don't know if it's just the like the the all the colors or, coming together. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like throw a little ketchup and some wieners in there. But um, anyways, yeah, it's uh, it is what it is. It's the All Star Game. I think you guys know where I sit on the All Star Game and and how I feel about it. But uh, you know, it should be fun to watch. It should be uh, should be an interesting uh, interesting game and. A lot of fun skills competition and and uh it'll be a fun weekend uh for whoever is there and hopefully hopefully we'll be there we'll see about that but um yeah it it should be fun um and i'm sure will arnett will find a way to throw throw a game against uh, matthews and his <laughs> and his boy uh justin bieber um but boys uh from fun to some of the not so fun stuff um big stories out of london um the london police are looking well, they're expecting five of the players from the 2018 uh, Team Canada to surrender themselves to the London Police Services. Um, we've seen a lot of speculation online as to who those five are. Obviously, we saw first uh, Dylan Dubé step away for mental health uh, purposes uh, in Calgary. Nobody really questioned it. Then all of a sudden, Carter Hart stepping away for personal reasons. All of a sudden, we see uh, McLeod and... Um, foot weren't at practice for the devils they obviously have 
just recently stepped away as well for personal reasons. Uh, indefinite leave for all of the four guys. And then, of course, Alex Formanton uh, with his Swiss team stepping away so that he can come back to Canada for personal reasons. Uh, Peter, let's throw it to you first. Your take on this whole situation. It's a lot of information to take in. If you're not following Rick Westhead right now, you should be. This guy's all over everything. Um, anything to do with scandal in sports, this guy's got it. And uh, yeah, I mean, what's your take, Peter? Yeah, even the uh, report um, earlier today that was broken by, I believe it was Robin Doolittle from the Globe and Mail. Mm-hmm. which is where I fir- where we first saw it. I mean, L.A. Friedman uh, quoted it, um, talking about like how player- they want the players to surrender. And it's just like everything started to fall into place too. And then you immediately saw what happened with Formington, McLeod, and Foote as well. And it's, I- again, we don't want to jump to conclusions. We don't want to speculate, but it just seems like everything's starting to fall into place. And after two years of this investigation or a year and a half and two years of this investigation, it seems like we may be getting more answers sooner rather than later or like everything getting put off. And I think that's, it's big. It's big because whoever was involved with this, whoever the five players actually are need to be held accountable for their actions. And, you know, throughout, uh, um, I'm pretty sure we all see, we saw the same comments online as well, that this is not about your favorite team. This is not about your favorite player. This is about, you know, them committing a crime and being held accountable for that put rivalries put everything aside put the fact that oh he was my favorite player growing up whatever you know i liked him in junior that's all meaningless right now that really is and i really feel bad or my heart is going out to the victim right now in all of this because she's the one who endured all of this and right now things go as according to plan i think i read that maybe she is willing to testify in court as well if i if the if what i read was correct um if everything does go through which is very big because you know throughout this whole entire ordeal she's been you know suffering through it all she's been faceless yeah she's been suffering through it all more so than the players and if you're trying to you know try and say you know what we got to feel for the nhl players too i don't feel any sorrow for them whatsoever because they knew what they were doing you, you can't feel sorry for that. Alex, uh, anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I mean, it's a shame that it took this long, and it's an even bigger shame that there's the belief that they're, that these players, whoever they end up being, if it ends up being the players that have been speculated on, have been making money this entire time and playing and, and, and still being able to live a normal life while this process is dragged out. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's good that we're finally coming to a conclusion, it seems, and uh, hopefully we can... Uh, take this and, you know, hopefully use it as an example to never let it happen again. Uh, I mean, I, I, like you said, Peter, the victim where she stands is the number one priority here. Um, I think uh, that's the number one thing that matters more than more than anything else. And uh, the one thing I will add as well is I really hope that if it's, it's a kind of a morbid thing to hope for, but if Dubé does end up being one of the players involved, I, I really hope there's an explanation coming from the flames for framing that under mental health. That's mm-hmm. like for Carter Hart, personal reasons, they kept it vague. If he ends up being guilty of it, then it is what it is. The flyers basically said, or didn't say what they could, but I mean, to, to say that he's, he's under team care, he's under the care of professionals and he's looking after his mental health. Like it takes away from, you know, and on a day like today, especially it takes away from the whole point of discussing mental health you know it's uh it, it would be very disingenuous to people who have actually gone through battles like that to use that as an excuse to direct attention away from something like that but again that's all that's all stuff that you speculate on and i don't want to speculate on this any more than we already have so i'm going to leave my thoughts there mm-hmm. but uh that's that that's kind of where i stand on that and i really hope that justice comes forward for the victim and it stays like today where, you know, this is why ho- hockey culture needs a massive shift and a massive change in mentality. Because as we've seen throughout the whole entire two years, and even with the news of like other events in other sports or another not events, but other, you know, um, you know, uh, other people stepping forward in other events to combat this, it shows that people have had enough. And this is why, the culture needs to change because it's just absolutely sickening to this point. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm going to jump off of what Alex said too, and just say, like, I mean, it, it's tougher to take from a from an organization who saw a guy like Oliver Kylington, who was, you know, had stepped away from the game for for mental health reasons as well, and and you know, it just it it, it brings into the question like kind of the legitimacy of of you know them as an organization. But again, speculation aside, I think you guys know where I stand on this. Um, I, I think I was pretty vocal way back when they were, you know, kind of restarting, reopening this, this investigation. But I'm curious to get your take on, you know, all the heat obviously is going to be on the players at this point uh, and, and rightfully so. Uh, but at what point does it come back and, and you take the London police service and you kind of, you know, there's got to be a little bit of heat on them as well for not, not kind of following through in the first place. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's tough because they could, I, I don't want to say that they could only go based on what, you know, was when it brought to them, when the, yeah, you know, the, uh, not the accusations, but this uh, whole entire, um, you know, process was brought towards them. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not like a criminologist or like, I'm not into the law or anything like that. I don't, I don't want to get too much into that, but I think they wanted to take the necessary steps to make sure they got everything right. All the facts, everything like that, to make sure that they had everything to go through with this. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I do agree that it probably took a little bit longer than expected because all the info was out. And even so they are, they already have like a news conference set for the fifth. And that seems like a little bit too long why would you hold that off when all this news is coming out? Maybe you, if you want to wait maybe two or three days to have those players come into custody, fine. But another week seems like a little bit long on long and drawn out process that it already is. My, uh, my understanding of that is that, <clears throat> so because they are not a danger to society under their standard, um, they have a week to to surrender themselves to the police service. Fair. So that gives them an opportunity to surrender themselves. And then obviously the investigation will kind of close out at that point once they speak to each of the the members of the team that are are coming in. And then I'm sure that's why they they put it off to February 5th. But interesting timing as well. Obviously, we're talking about the the all-star game being the first weekend of February. All of a sudden, right after all-star weekend, you're gonna have this press conference in the hockey worlds focus the the sporting world's focus is all of a sudden going to be back on this and shifted back to it kind of like today when all this news was coming out and all of a sudden there was a release that they're looking to put a team in salt lake city and, and start the process of expansion i mean timing is everything and i don't believe that it was not the right time i believe that there was you know there was some sort of conversation had that said you know we got to kind of shift the focus once again. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it seems like, it seems like no matter how many steps we try to take in the right direction when it comes to hockey culture or sport culture, um, we continually take steps back. And, and this is just another example of it. Um, I will say this, you guys know how I felt when this investigation opened. Um, it is for me close to home being in London so um, I was fairly vocal about particular players. I did have some people come to me and say, you know, you can't be saying that. And um, I just, I, again, I, I don't want to kind of further the speculation, but I think everything is starting to settle in. And I, I you know, I, I wouldn't mind those same people coming back and, and I can kind of have, have an aha moment when it's all said and done, because, you know, I, 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 I don't just throw those things out lightly. So um, that being said, I do hope that the due process is done well. Uh, I, I hope that it's finally closed and, and and those involved can can find a way to hopefully take steps in moving on in, in, in their respective lives. And I hope that uh, the victim of, of, you know, what happened is is able to kind of close the door and, and find a way forward in terms of, getting a little bit of closure knowing that the people that did her wrong um, are, are, are receiving proper justice. But again, this is an unfolding story. I'm sure we'll get more information as we go. I will say this. Uh, if you look at any of the comments made by Danny Briere today, uh, obviously uh, with the Flyers organization, um, he did basically 
kind of put it out there that Carter Hart is involved uh, when he said that we've been directed by the NHL to to forward any questions regarding the investigation to them uh, and not comment on it. So to me, that's kind of your, you're almost outing him right there. But anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll sit back. We'll wait. Rick Westhead's going to have all the facts. Um, you know, maybe we'll see if I can even get, get into that uh, February 5th presser and, and see if we can get some more information. Um, but that being said, Another dark moment uh, for for hockey culture and and for for all those involved, hockey Canada as well. Even though they they have tried to reform, you know where they're at, but uh, definitely not something that we want to consistently talk about. Hopefully, we can close the door on this one fairly soon. That said, guys, uh, Leafs Leafs game tonight. Um, what better way to get this going than talk a little bit of bet betting? Um, the Leafs obviously are going to be uh, kicking off. I well puck drop already kind of happened did it not seven o'clock i believe there's yes. yeah we're, yep. we're, we're, we're 11 <laughs> minutes left in the first period so there you go we're right in the midst Getting of it outplayed as usual well i mean that's that's kind of expected it's the winnipeg jets they this is their stanley cup so um but with that boys uh quick word from the DraftKings sportsbook we know hockey games move fast but with DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nhl you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Tonight's line on the Leafs right now, have them at minus 140, uh, have the over at 5.5, so not a bad one to take with 11 minutes left in the first, as you mentioned. Um, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code THPN. New customers bet just 5 bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions. Terms and responsible gaming resources. NHL and NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. Well, boys, our Leafs, um, you know, a little bit of inconsistency has been the story of the entire season, especially as of late. They've had leads. They've given them up. Goaltending has been a question mark. Sammy seems to be kind of turning it around, but I'm not too quick to jump the gun there. Let's talk about the Leafs blowing leads. Alex, what's your take on this? Can can they can they figure this out? Can they fix it in this home stretch? This is a scheduled conversation every year. Sometimes it happens <laughs> yeah. in November. Sometimes it happens in January. Sometimes it's in March. But at some point every year, there's a conversation about the Leafs blowing lead. So if you want my take, you can go back to the ep- – you can find find whatever episode it was in, go back and play it and again, and I guarantee you nothing's changed. Uh, no. Honestly, it's it's weird because early on in the season with their struggles, the one thing about them I remember noting was that they weren't blowing leads. Like they were losing games in frustrating fashion. They were they were getting shelled early on, but like of all the ways that they were losing games, losing like they weren't blowing leads, which for for a while seemed like okay, well at least that's somewhat of a positive. They figured out how to, you know, stay in games till the end and come back and get themselves out of deficits, but I mean, it's clearly not a conversation point anymore because the past couple of weeks have shown that they absolutely still have the ability to blow leads. So, I mean, I don't really know what I don't really know what there is to say about it to be honest. I mean, you hope that they find a way to figure it out at some point. I you would hope that at the deadline there's some sort of upgrade coming. Uh, I don't. I know that there's been talk, which we'll get to later, about not really having that much of an issue of an initiative to be huge buyers at the deadline like they were last year. But you would hope that at bare minimum they trade for someone to take some of the weight off of Geo, and you know, eventually, uh, and eventually hope that one of their goaltenders, regardless of if it's Samsonov out of nowhere, if it's Joseph Wall off the IR. Um, stay strong enough that they can uh, get themselves out of this rut because right now it's been it's been rough the past couple bit the past couple bits the last little bit is what I meant to say the past yeah 
It's been that's rough. Where that's where we're going to end that. Bits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Peter, your thoughts on how the Leafs uh, can can hopefully fix this down the stretch? Is it something that uh, is going to plague them the remainder of the season, or are we talking about a team that can turn it around? I always say that it's always like it's always the simple mistakes that are always causing them to lose the leads. I mean, it's always a clearing tech. It's always a poor positioning. It's always, you know, losing track of who your assignment is. That's always how they've lost in during that stretch of games when they lost four in a row before they won against, you know, Seattle and everything like that. To me is it's like, they've made these same mistakes in the past. And how many times can they say they've learned their lesson when really they have not learned their lesson? I mean, this is a completely different team right now. They wanted to go more offense with the players and the uh, personnel that they added in the offseason, subtracting the defensive-minded players that they had. And it's really showing right now how they're not as great defensively showing right now. They were great at the beginning of the season. Um, one of the better teams in you know, keeping the puck out of their net. But then, you know, inconsistency started happening with Sammy. Players weren't clearing the puck out very well. I'm seeing that right now in this game during intermission in between the top prospects game. The way they're managing the puck right now is not how they've managed the puck in the past. And that is a big problem. Um, it's it's not going to get you far in the playoffs. It's not going to probably get you far during this stretch because they're just hanging on to a wild card spot right now or like one of the two wild card spots. But those four losses could have been the difference maker in the standings where instead of losing eight to 10 points, you could have gained eight to 10 points. Had you played better, had you shut it down and not lose focus of what was going on. Cause that to me is a problem. And if they can't figure that out now, already halfway through the season, I don't know if they ever will during the rest of the season. So, I mean, that brings me to my next question then. Sheldon Keefe, there's been a lot of speculation of whether the Leafs should hold on to him, whether he should be fired. Um, I think numbers speak volumes uh, when you're talking about coaching. Um, he does seem to have been a little bit frustrated recently with the team's play and, and it, as such has kind of commented in the media on some of the players, you know, believing that they're maybe he, he doesn't know who to trust 42 games in. Let's, let's say, oh, let's yeah. say that. Um is he losing the team? Is it something that, you know, maybe doesn't lie with him or are, are we, are we on the verge of seeing Sheldon Keefe uh, fired in Toronto, Peter? That's a tough question because, you know, I, I I've talked about this with my friends before and it's like, if you make a coaching change right now at the halfway point during the season, is that really going to change much? I mean, you already saw the Islanders do it, but when I see the Islanders play, I at least see a competitive team. I see at least a team that gives it its all every single time. You don't see that consistently with the Maple Leafs. And maybe a fresh voice behind the bench would change everything. I don't know if you make Guy Boucher the interim coach for the time being, or let's say you bring in Gerard Gallant. Who knows who's available? But I don't know if it's going to make a major difference right now, given how there's already question marks surrounding the roster. Um to talk about, you know, if you're not going all in, you might as well just make do with what you have right now. So if you're Sheldon Keefe right now, you know you're not going to get a whole lot of new uh, players or new personnel at your disposal. You just got to make do with what you are what you have. But if they keep losing the way that they're doing right now, I think maybe a coaching change, unfortunately, is going to be the way to go to say, hey, you know what? It's always on the – it's it should always fall on the players in this situation because the way that they've been playing have been, you know – I'm going to put it. It's been awful but it's going to be unfortunate that Sheldon Keith may get the ax as a result of it, but you don't see a whole lot of like, you know, even in his press conferences too, he's very like, you know, calm when he's trying to point pinpoint or point out flaws of the game. He needs to have like a John Tortorella moment and just lay into his team because that kind of like, you know, soft mentality is not going to go far. He's got to tell this team right now, if this is how you're going to play, then just mail it in right now. If you actually want to fight and give it your all, then go out there and prove it to me. Alex, I'm going to throw some numbers at you real quick here. Um, it's so Sheldon Keefe, this season has been his lowest point percentage thus far uh, as, as a head coach in the NHL. He, he started five years ago, 2019, 20 with a 628 point percentage, his highest uh, 2021, 22 was 701 
Right now he's sitting at 600 uh, when it comes to his point percentage. He, the team is 23, 14, and 8. Is now the time to put a guy like this on the hot seat and call for his head in Toronto? No, I don't think it is. And let me start by saying that I don't necessarily disagree with the premise of firing Sheldon Keefe. Like, just like you can say about Kyle Dubas right now, like you can make all the excuses for them you want. You can you can defend their, their decisions and moments and, you know, point at his regular season coaching record, et cetera. But Sheldon Keefe, since, since he began coaching the Leafs, what, I think one series win in five or six? Like, at some point, the results just start to speak for themselves. So I'm not necessarily against like firing Sheldon Keefe. At the same time, I'm not against like keeping him as head coach because I don't think that firing a coach is going to be the number one thing. But I also don't think he's been, you know, this this messiah that we need to keep and protect at all costs. Like I, I I think that we're at a point now where you can justify it if they let the head coach go. That being said. I don't see a world where if the Leafs do fire Keefe midseason that they go out and they hire someone like Craig Berube or Gerard Gallant or one of these guys that's available on the market right now. If the things were to get so bad that the Leafs were to fire head, fire Sheldon Keefe, I think that they'd probably just pivot to Guy Boucher. And I yeah. do not think that's worth it whatsoever, not even as an interim. Because all of a sudden, you're asking the Leafs to completely switch their transition and sorry, not switch. You're completely asking them to transition their play style to different coach. This, this, well, not necessarily even just a different coach. Just it's a, it's a different coach who plays a notoriously different system when he's got a head coach, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like this guy is notorious for having a slow trap defensive game, and to ask the Leafs from going from playing this kind of freestyle offense where they can be creative and make plays and 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 kind of like draw things up themselves to go from that to being a dump and chase trap team mid-season at that point you're asking the Leafs to miss the playoffs I mean with a completely different talent scale it would essentially be a repeat of Peter Horacek taking over for Randy Carlisle I just don't see a world where that happens so uh well not that I don't see a world where that happens I don't see a world where that works out for the Leafs so in the offseason maybe you revisit you see what happens with John Cooper down in Tampa Bay um, I'm sure there's some other head coaches out there. You wait and hear a verdict on before you go and make any moves. But um, yeah, I don't think uh, I, I don't think the, right now is the time to make a head coaching move. I just don't see a move being made from outside the organization. And don't say Joel Quenville. It's not happening. Oh God, he'll be at the bottom of my list if that was the case. Well, the star Joel Quenville has not been reinstated yet by the yeah. NHL, so there. That's that's number one off the lighting. But I, I have to agree with you, Alex. I think right now is not the time to fire Keith. I don't think the options right now are something that you, you want to be looking at. I think if they do transition to somebody like Guy Boucher, um, he, he's notorious, like you said, for playing that trap. I think we can all go back to that that one embarrassing moment uh, with him as a head coach where was it uh, Philly and, and Tampa it was Bay? Philly. It was against Torch as well. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it, it just – those moments, I, I think, you know, they do follow you around as a head coach. I, I don't think Guy Boucher's done enough in his career to to earn that kind of, um, you know, that relief position of Sheldon Keefe. But at the same time, the Leafs aren't built to be a trap team at all, period. Mm-hmm. Case in point, they are not a trap team. They are an offensive juggernaut up front. It's a couple spots within the lineup that they need to fix. Um, and, and maybe, maybe... Sheldon Keefe is wearing thin on them. That is a possibility. Let's be honest. He's been he's been been behind that bench for five, close to five seasons now. That is the shelf life for the majority of professional sports coaches. Name name the greats, and sure they're they're around for for a long time. Greg Popovich comes to mind with the the Spurs. Uh, you know, Tor, uh, Trotz comes to mind with Nashville. Like, but even then, Nashville never got it done. Um, so it, it does it, like the greats are around for a long time. The ones that maybe have a different way, a different style of coaching, they have a shelf life, they have an expiry date. And I'm starting to see, and I'm starting to think that maybe Sheldon Keefe is on his way out in Toronto. I don't know if it's an in-season move. I don't know if it's something that, that you do in season, but you have to imagine that Brad tree living along with looking at options to better the roster is also looking at head coach Sheldon Keefe and saying, maybe it's time to go a different route. Um, 
I, I don't see why why that wouldn't be in consideration. But at the same time, there have been some 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 turnarounds, some bright spots within the Leafs organization. Uh, I think we have to talk about Samsonov when it, when it comes to turnarounds. His his most recent uh, appearance, he he looked to be a little bit more sure of himself, a little bit more comfortable in the net. Alex, what are your thoughts on Ilya Samsonov? Is he is he going to kind of find that groove from last season, or are we just playing with fire here? Look, man, I wrote an article a, a couple months ago. Not a couple months ago, that's a lie. It was about a month ago talking about how Ilya Samsonov at this point probably didn't have much of a path back to Toronto because you know he was at the he was at the absolute lowest point of his confidence. Martin Jones was on a heater. And at that point, the logic is if Martin Jones keeps playing like this and Samsonov comes back and the Leafs try to wave Jones again, he's not making it through waivers the second time. They lose him, and then all of a sudden you're relying on Samsonov, who at that point, what if he doesn't come back and he and he and he's still playing as bad as he was early on in the season, right? So that was kind of the logic of that article at the time. But if Ilya Samsonov wants to come and prove everybody wrong and play the way he did last year, I will be the number one fan. I will be here for it because people forget that Ilya Samsonov has his flaws. Obviously, people know that, but. No matter which way he slice it, he was also the guy in net when the Leafs advanced past the first round for the first time in 19 years. Like, this guy's got the ability. You see the potential when he has a good game. It's just, it's so mental. And he is so, like, all the issues that he's had have largely been mental. So, I like, if it, like if this reset worked, and there was an article that came out, great article, I can't, I, um, talking about how Ilya Samsonov's dad or his parents came to uh, he came, they came to Toronto when they talked. And if it's something as simple as a conversation with your parents that brings you back, I'm more than willing to give this guy another chance because I think like we've said this on this podcast before the Leafs are at their best. If Joseph wall and Elias Samsonov are both thriving in this case, Martin Jones. So uh, I, I, I mean, I hope that Samsonov has what it takes to come back. And I mean, just in this Jets game, he's looking good again. So you hope this reset worked for him. And uh, I'm more than willing to have him prove me wrong and prove everybody else wrong if that's the way it's going to play out. So hoping for the best, but uh, I do still think there's a little bit of risk here. Peter, where are you sitting right now in the Leafs goaltending and Elias Amsterdam? Uh, he, needed, he needed that win. He needed that massive win against the Seattle Kraken. That was absolutely huge for him to get his confidence back. And sometimes all it takes is one game. And as Alex mentioned, you know, he's already off to a hot start right now where he's basically the best player right now for the Maple Leafs because they're getting absolutely hemmed in their own zone and he's the one giving them a fighting chance. But I just want to go back to like a quote. I believe it was just like yesterday or the day before where um, Mark Masters tweeted this about Samsonov. I'm so motivated. I want to play every day. I want to stop the puck hard as you can. And just first, I want to enjoy. Last couple of months, I forgot how to enjoy to play. I just want to enjoy every moment. That was kind of like the Ilias Samsonov that we were missing, who is, you could tell he wasn't having fun losing. Last year, he was having fun. He like When he's on top of his game and he's having fun, he was one of the best goalies in the league. He got away from that, and you saw that with his play. That reset really did help about it. Even the game against the Detroit Red Wings, aside from that, you know, one goal where maybe he was trying to make that poke check or whatever, I didn't like it. But you know what? He held his own in that game against the Red Wings, um, where the Maple Leafs had a chance to bury the team that came in two hours before the game, and they didn't. Um, it seems like he's slowly starting to find his groove back right now, and that's what you want to see. Um I've mentioned like what the Maple Leafs need to do for their goaltending situation. I wrote about it a few times as well. Like, because Jones is starting to struggle right now. You needed Ilya Samsonov to try and give you that, not average, but, you know, average to above average goaltending in order to win and be successful to make this decision a little bit tougher. Who are you going to send down when Joseph Wall comes back? Looking like it's probably going to be Jones right now because Ilya Samsonov is becoming the hotter of the two goalies right now. And, you know, you, you, this is what you want to see. This is the Samsonov that, you know, put the team on his back in the playoffs and they were getting shelled in the first round and he came up with big time saves. That triple pad save against the Kraken. I mean, that, that, that was basically one of those t like big moment saves that says, you know what, this guy is back right now. And hopefully he can continue that because the signs are there. If he's able to have that momentum, 
it's going to be great for him, but you know what? The team also needs to help him out and, you know, play a little bit better and start taking advantage of situations. Like Sheldon Key said, where if you're in a tight game, you got to find that next goal to help everyone else out, including Samsonov. Yeah. You heard earlier this week, I think it was Bertuzzi say like, you know, I, I just need one of those garbage goals to get going. And I, I, I do really believe that goaltending is very similar. I mean, you need that one win, you need that big save that kind of gets your confidence kind of, you know, lights a fire under your ass a little bit and says, you know, I can still do this. And, and I mean, look at Jack Campbell right now. I believe in his last four showings in eight in the HL uh, for, for Edmonton's affiliate, he's, he's four and oh with like a one point something goals against, like he's just, he's lighting it up and it's all about confidence about finding that, that, that fire that you had before that love for the game, the fun that you were having, having the conversation with your parents, if that's what you need and, and, and kind of, getting a mind reset. And I think goaltending is such a mental game, man. It's like, it's, you know, it's probably one of the more mental games or more, one of the more mental positions in, in the, uh, in the game. And um, yeah, I, I think he needed the game. He needed that win. Uh, his numbers are starting to climb 866, 8%, still not great, but it's, it's better. 369 goals against not great, but it's better. Um, and that's kind of what you want to see. You want to see somebody who can improve on what he already has. Uh, if you can get him going even at half of what he was last season and Joseph wall comes back and plays to the level that we know Joseph wall can, um, from the start of the season, this is a decent tandem and this is an underrated tandem. And this is a team that can go on a run. Um, and, and you know, the, they got those lot, they got that four, four game losing streak out of the way. Um, they, they, they're starting to play a little bit better. Obviously I haven't seen what's going on so far in the first period. So I haven't been able to, to comment on that, but you know, this is a team that needs to find that groove. There was a lot of changes in the off season and we're not going to sit here 50 games in and, and say, well, they still need to find chemistry. No, I mean, they've had the time to do that, but those changes, people are in new, are in a new city. People are in a new, new setting. They need to figure it out. Um, Bertuzzi, obviously we know now that his, his wife or girlfriend was pregnant at the time and, and they're awaiting that the arrival of their child. So, I mean, that can weigh on you as well. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot going on. We forget about the, the, the outside aspect of the game sometimes and focus so much on the, the results because it's a results driven league and the Leafs have not had results in a long, long time. But they need to get it going because if they don't, right now they're looking at taking on possibly the Florida Panthers in the first round. And I'll tell you right now, with Sam Reinhart, who's now at 35 goals this season, it's not going to be a pretty series. We're going to be sitting here again in the offseason talking about the same damn shit that we talk about every goddamn offseason. I'm not ready for it. So I, I do hope Samsonov can get going. I do hope that, you know, Wall can come back and, and be the be the goaltender that they are. Um, and I hope that they can make the necessary moves. Uh, heading into the deadline to get to where they need to be. So with that, there's potential that they might not be buyers. And that's something that Elliot Friedman's talking about on 32 Thoughts. Alex, your thoughts on the Leafs as buyers or sellers at the deadline? What are we looking at? Are we going to see a team where they, you know, make some big moves or is Brad Trey Living going to kind of sit, sit pat and, and uh, go along with what he's got? Well, I think that, the whole concept of them being buyers is kind of blown out of proportion because of what they did last year. Like, I feel like a lot of people associate being buyers as doing what they did last year and trading for six new players and shelling out multiple first round picks and bringing in guys who don't, who are rentals like Ryan O'Reilly and Luke Shen and Olachari and players like that. I don't think that the Leafs should do that this year, but I do think that there are some places that they can upgrade and I absolutely don't think that they should be selling off pieces I don't care what you say about how this team hasn't proven they're good enough yet or you know they're the division's too good they're going to lose their spot like at no point after the Leafs sign Matthews and Nylander long term are you going to make the argument that they should sell with a straight face I'm sorry I just I, I don't see them doing that so I think that with where they're at right now Another bottom six forward would be nice because right now the bottom six doesn't really have an identity. They kind of have a scoring third line that plays limited minutes because they get shelled defensively. And then they've got a fourth line that Keith kind of tries to use as the checking line sometimes and it just doesn't work. So 
Their bottom six needs an identity. I think they could use a bottom six forward. Like I said earlier, they need a defenseman to take some weight off of Geo. Um, ideally, someone to play alongside Luke Shen so you can drop Brody in the lineup and he doesn't have to face top pairs anymore because he's just he's just been off all year. There's been something off about Brody. Um, we all know the re- like reasoning behind that. He's had some personal reasons as well. It's just general aging and things like that. So um, I think that if you add someone on defense and add someone up front, I think that, that could constitute a successful deadline, but it doesn't have to be one that they did last year. Peter, your thoughts on the uh, Friedman comments, uh, buyers, sellers, what are we talking about when we talk to Maple Leafs? Yeah, there's absolutely no way they should be buyers. And, you know, in that same episode, Jeff Merrick basically said, you know, GMs have that adage where they basically say, you know, is your on ice play going to dictate whether we are going to be buyers or sellers? Um, nothing with their play, even though that they had a great game against the Kraken, nothing in, you know, they're getting shelled against the Jets right now. Nothing suggests otherwise that this is a year to buy in and move prospects and picks and everything like that. I'd hang on to that. This is definitely definitely not the year. If you do, you're working out to form out a depth and an identity for the next season. Um, you know, if you're getting, you know, let's say, like Alex said, bottom six uh, help, uh, bottom uh, three defender, um, that could be your four to six guy kind of thing. Um, are you going to look at a price to try and bring in Chris Tanev? If you are for sure going to try and address the defense, maybe that's the only reason. If you're trying to rebuild the blue line and get a top four defender, and if you know maybe Tanev is going to sign in the offseason, that's a, that's a possibility. If you know for sure you're going to get him and he's going to resign, then why not make that move or just wait until the offseason to sign him and keep your assets as well? Um I think making smaller moves is going to be the better direction for them. Anything major in a year where they think that they have a chance at beating a Florida Panthers like team, they're going to, I I'm predicting a five game series again. I, I I'd be surprised if they even win one, even if they were to go up against Tampa Bay, Boston, even if they're in the wild card and they go over to the Metro, I think it's going to be over before it's even said and done. So, um, Hold on and everything. Make sure you come back with a better, you know, roster constructed because now you're going to miss uh, certain pieces. You're going to have more money to work with, and the cap is going up as well, so that's a plus. So don't 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 make a hasty reaction or move right now unless for sure you know it's going to benefit the team. But I think just depth moves is the way to go at this point. So looking more and more like a Sheldon Keith firing at some point in the theme, near the end of the season. Unfortunately. Um, Boys, there has been some bright spots for the Leafs. Austin Matthews, 38 goals. This guy is well on his way to a 70-goal season. Do we see 70 this year, or are we uh, we sitting tight at 65? Peter, what are your thoughts? I mean, if he keeps scoring at the pace that he is, I mean, there's no reason to suggest that. But we thought maybe he was going to hit 65 the, previous, the year where he got 60, and it was just at 60. So you know what? I I it's definitely within reach. It's not impossible. It's definitely possible. It's just a matter of are you they may are they like are they expecting him to go out and score a goal per game? And because he's been carrying this team on his back throughout the whole entire season. Like he's been the difference maker, and there have been times where he's been the lone bright spot and nobody else has shown up. So it's gonna be difficult for him if he's gonna carry this team, but you know, it it's it all depends on how everyone else is going to play too, because they need to help him out. He can't just keep. I mean, he can, but it's going to get very. It's going to get to a point where he's going to tire himself out, and then you're going to have no offense whatsoever. I think so. Definitely possible. Um, if not, at least sixty-five is definitely within range. Alex, I'm going to throw a scenario at you. There, there's a very good chance that Austin Matthews wins the uh, Rocket Richard this year. Uh, he's sitting at 38 goals. Let's let's say five games left in the season. You're in a playoff spot. Um, you've locked in your first round opponent. You've got 65 goals. You're Austin Matthews. You've got five games left. Are you playing? Or are you sitting out a couple of those games? I'm playing him, and I'm irresponsible for it, but I'm playing him. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I want to see the guy get 70 goals, man. I remember there was a time when the Leafs' leading scorer was Phil Kessel, who had 55 points, not even goals, points. 
We're looking at a Leafs player who can score 70 goals. Give him that opportunity all day, every day. Leafs also have a great record without Matthews. So if he does get hurt, I mean, I think they'll be fine. Can you believe that there was conversation this season about possibly bringing Phil Kessel back as a depth player? Oh, my God. No. That would have been beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, boys, anything else you wanted to add before we close it out for the week? It's been a fun episode having all three of us back. Uh, yeah, no, definitely great to be back with the the three musketeers here. Um, really great to be back in the saddle with you boys. Um, nothing on my end, just a lot of obviously with the process game, got a standout piece coming out as well as something about the players, you know, that are, that the Maple Leafs are relying on in the depth situation. So like players like Robertson, Nyes and Pontus Holberg, who have really stepped up their play lately. So that's, that, that's it on my end. Alex, anything from you, buddy? Nothing from me. Goalies go. There you go. There you go. Anyways, folks, as always, check us out on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to that century mark. Check us out on Twitter. You can follow all three of us uh, there as well as the podcast at Sticks in the Six. Make sure you go to the sports podcast group and vote for us as the best hockey podcast. We're getting very close to the tail end of fan voting. We'd appreciate your vote. Uh, we'll post that link later on our Twitter page as well. Check us out on all of our other socials. As always, make sure you check out the DraftKings. Use THPN, code THPN. Um, check out all the shows at the Hockey Podcast Network as well. Great network. And make sure if you're looking for tickets to anything, concerts, games, you name it, use um, use SeatGeek and use code Sticks in the Six as well as No Name Hockey. If you're looking for your own custom stick, custom curve, custom colors, you got it. Check out the show description as well. Um, we can help you out with that at No Name Hockey Limited. Until next time, boys, until next week, episode 146 in the books. Let's go Leafs.